0: I actually, I'm relieved that I wasn't afraid of this movie. I was like,
1: we should start. We should start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should start. Is it Mirio? It's your go.
0: It's you. Is it? You picked it. I picked this. How did I pick this movie? (laughs) What is wrong with me? Wow. Okay. You're listening to The Watchers. Is that what we say? That's what we say. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You're listening to The Watchers, a show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch tv and movies about really really scary sticks <laughs> these sticks are so scary the sticks are so fucking scary i
1: you know not to like give away too much too early but i think they're the scariest part of this movie
0: i okay so we yeah they're i think they are okay uh hi i'm jody <laughs> and i'm andrea and I hate horror movies, and this was not scary. We watched The Blair Witch Project. We watched The Blair Witch Project, project yes, which I can't say, apparently. Um, I have to – I will concede right off the bat that all of my takes are because I saw this – how many years after it came out? Almost 30? 25. Like 25 years after it came like out? Twenty twenty four
1: like 24 years, yeah.
0: <laughs> right. And I was super aware of it at the time, and like if I had seen it at the time – Full stipulation, I would have been scared if I'd seen this movie in the theater. I would have been really into the story. I would have been on the message boards being like, I don't know, is it real? Citizen
1: Detective Jody?" Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing, and I don't remember if I said this last week or not, but I knew this movie for a fact was fiction before I saw it because Mm -hmm. a cousin of mine went to school with um, the actor who plays Heather And yeah, so I don't know why I remember this movie as being so frightening, because to me, I think it's cool. I don't I I like this movie. I still I Mm -hmm. haven't you know, I hadn't seen it in 24 years or whatever. Yeah. But last week I said I remembered it being really scary. And it's only I think it's only really scary if you think it's real.
0: Yeah. Did you see it in the theater, though? I did. So I also thought about that. So I watched this on my laptop in broad daylight, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I was in a theater with a bunch of other people. Well, that's
1: how I watched it this time because I was like, I'm going to be too scared to watch this at night, but Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been. I'm so... I mean, I I wouldn't have been.
0: And I was 13. So I wasn't so young that it... But that's, that's young enough. And I mean, even at 19, I was like, so we'll talk a lot, I'm sure, about the sort of social context of the late 90s in our specific, This is going to be another one of those annoying Jersey episodes. I'm sorry. But like, you know, I think that one thing I think I texted you last night or yesterday afternoon when I was watching this was like, if I hadn't been sneaking around the basements of abandoned mental hospitals, maybe this would have been scary. Right. But like, I literally, I think I texted you and was like, they found a house. Like, it's just a house. Like, yeah. Okay, fine. There's like, kids' handprints on the walls. Yeah, okay. But, like, look at this picture that is my background. Like, yeah. I was breaking into abandoned mental hospitals with my friends and taking pictures, like, the photographer that I would eventually become. And so I related really hard to the protagonists of this movie. And, like, I guess if I had not known if it was real or not, it would have scared the shit out of me. But, like, I, That's what I mean, you know. but I did
1: know. I don't know what... Yeah. I kind of think the, like... The, I don't what you yeah, this mm-hmm. is how memory works right because mm-hmm. I don't know if what I'm actually remembering is how I felt when I watched this movie in 1999 or how my memory remembers all of us reacting to this movie in 1999 right, right? Mm-hmm. um so so that's that's hard to say 1999 was a long time ago but I also you know I always say like I'm not an outdoors kid and I'm afraid of everything but that kind of didn't matter growing up in New Jersey, and I still spent a lot of time traipsing around in the woods. I remembered mm-hmm. something I hadn't thought of in years, which is in 1999, my a friend of mine recruited a few of us to to make a parody of the Blair Witch oh my Project. God. And so I spent a lot of time. We never finished it. Does this it. exist still? No, no. Oh we, we my never, God, I would pay
0: money to see that. We
1: never finished it and I wasn't on camera. Um, but it was, uh, it was just, you know, like it was one of those things, but it was her parody was the blair witch instead for some reason i this is just 13 year olds with cameras she she wanted the blair witch to be britney spears and so what you would hear (laughs) out in the woods was hit me baby one more time from far away and then people running away and screaming because we were all really cool and into like punk rock and stuff i've killed jody and it was called the blair bitch project because you weren't supposed to like britney spears oh my god if you were a 13 year old girl who was into like punk rock I had completely forgotten about that until yesterday when I was That's watching a this. Fucking
0: masterpiece. Wait, Con- I'm
1: crying. I <laughs> had <laughs> completely forgotten about that. Um, but so, which is to crying. say, like, <laughs> I also spent a lot of time trips around in woods. And then the other thing I spent <sighs> I know, a lot of time okay, doing is standing outside of abandoned buildings like this one yeah. and praying that my friends who were inside exploring weren't going to get murdered because I was too <laughs> afraid. was literally
0: not okay. <laughs> Isn't it crazy that you can just
1: fully forget something like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I broke into so many abandoned places Mm -hmm. as a kid. Like, I was looking – I mean, as as I've said to you – sorry, I'm still crying. (laughs) As I've said to you, I'm currently scanning all my negatives from, like, my entire life, basically, and a lot of them from my college and teen years – are from various New Jersey abandoned places. So there's like the Nike missile base that was in Mawa that is now oh, cool. re- like McMansions. But then there's other places in like West Milford. West Milford is notoriously like, you know, kind of woodsy and creepy and mm-hmm. there's like, you know, abandoned places all over the place. There's Jungle Habitat, which was the old um like shitty safari uh-huh. <laughs> in New Jersey that my um that is now like a mountain biking park that my old friend andy takes his kids to and he's the one that i would like we would like search for jungle habitat because it was hard to find in the woods Uh and like apparently all i have pictures of it like all that's left was the big arch sign and apparently some Uh like old cages in the woods but the rumor was that like all the animals had gotten out and there were like lions roaming around in like the woods of i think west milford um so all of that is like The history that I... And I was a photography student. like, Mm -hmm. And so all of that is like... Right. So when they're freaking out at her for
1: wanting to document everything as their world is crumbling around them, you understand. A
0: hundred percent.
1: Yeah. That's a conceit that works really well for me in this movie. Like, I don't think... I don't
0: think it worked for everybody, but but I think it... Yeah. I got it. Yeah. And I don't know.
1: I'm obviously not a photographer or an archivist or anything. So I don't know if it's just the, like, that part... That part of the, like, Jersey exploration in me mean, that's like, yeah, of course you'd want to, yeah like, what else are you going to do? It made Keep sense filming. to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and to take this immediately to a sort of darker place, like, you know, when my dad died 12 years ago, I had a friend of mine ship my camera to me from grad school because I hadn't brought it home with me like an idiot. Right. Because the only way I could deal with what was going on was through the camera. Like, right. that was it. Yeah, that makes and sense. And so people that are, that have that instinct and that's like the way they see the world that is absolutely what you would do mm-hmm. you know i would keep shooting
1: she, um, she also you know this movie it didn't invent um the found footage genre it didn't uh you know there's really nothing happening here that hadn't already been done before except mm-hmm. i do think she invented woman true crime podcaster voice oh my god I think you're right. That's it's, such a funny take. I hadn't even thought about that. She puts such a different voice on when she's yeah. when she's doing that. Just I yeah. I thought that was such a fun touch.
0: And they actually framed it like a real shot. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I loved it. Um, yeah. What uh What's this movie about, Jody? You have to recap. Oh, I chose it. You chose it. What's it's, this movie about, Andrea? It's so confusing to me that
0: you. I know this because movie. we've been jump. I, it's also confusing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I must have (laughs) lost my mind temporarily. And it ended up being fine, though. Yeah, it ended up being totally fine. Um, Like, not scary. I'm not afraid of sticks is the thing. (laughs) Or rocks. I'm a big fan, actually. I I spend a lot of time with sticks and rocks. I don't know. We've talked about that at length. Like, okay, I'm going to tell you what the movie
1: is about. This is a movie about three film students Mm -hmm. who are making a documentary about um, a town in Maryland called Burkittsville, originally Blair mm-hmm. Township, and um, there is... Which, an, again, sounds like Jersey. It, it This, we... We're going to be so annoyed about the Jersey <laughs> of all this week, though we are going to tell you something at the end of this episode that I think might actually... Help us not be so obnoxious this week because we're going to get to really dive in next We'll see how that goes. But it does feel very Jersey. I should also say Heather, the actor, is from Upper Darby, which is right, which is basically Philadelphia. There are plenty of accents in this movie that are very, so Delco, so South Jersey, felt so familiar to me. So, this yeah. this movie like all you have to do is switch out Blair Witch for Jersey Devil and Burkittsville and or Blair Township for any of the townships in New Jersey that feature where the Pine Barrens feature, which is many yep. of
0: them, um, and you
1: could do everything else exactly the same.
0: I think I actually, when I was a kid, thought this was a Jersey movie. I could. see I'm that. realizing. Yeah, I could yeah. totally see that. Um. So, but it because South Jersey was as far away as Maryland <laughs> in my mind. Basically,
1: the same thing. Um. Uh. Burkittsville is, like, a kind of – seems to be, like, a kind of middle-class, like, blue-collar-y sort of town. Um, Mm -hmm. And they have this urban legend. The urban legend, as urban legends often are, is a little confusing, I think. The first layer is the Blair Witch herself. Um,
0: Okay, so this (laughs) – I'm laughing at the fact that I found something on JSTOR about this because that is, like, the most – yeah, if you're going to do the, the most, research, you This really... podcast thing that I could have possibly mm-hmm. done. Um, but so basically what I found was something called Devil's Advocates on JSTOR, which mm-hmm. is a... It's published by Liverpool University Press, and it's a series of books about different horror movies. Cool. And, the, and this one, uh, Blair Witch Project, is by Peter Turner, who is... Some guy that I'm not going to look into because I don't have time. Um, But there's this whole thing, this whole book on Blair Witch. And when he outlines the plot, I think what he does is... And the legend is he is also referencing all of the supplemental material. Okay, So it's not just what's in the film, but he is giving the chronology of the Blair Witch mythology. So maybe I should interrupt your recap because I think that the movie purposely maybe confuses the mythology a bit and makes it a little murky um but then all the when we talk about the supplemental material there's so much more specifics but just so you know what happened to the quote-unquote Blair Witch Ellie Kedward yeah like
1: I don't think we get Ellie's name in this movie right no I we
0: don't we don't okay um so and it's also an anagram for something which I have to find
1: (laughs) well it's barely hold on I do know this it's (laughs) It's an anagram for Edward Kelly. Oh, God. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, fairly (laughs) It's so funny.
0: Um, So several children in 1785 accused Ellie Kedward of luring them into her home to draw blood from them. Kedward is found guilty of witchcraft, banished from the village during a particularly harsh winter and presumed dead. By midwinter, all of Kedward's accusers, along with half the town's children, vanish. Fearing a curse, the townspeople flee Blair and vow to never utter Ellie Kedward's name again. So that's the, like, 1700s part.
1: Ellie, okay. So, so all we know from the documentary is, this is where I get confused because the Mm -hmm. movie, this is what becomes confusing for me, is the movie is called The Blair Witch Project. Mm -hmm. So the whole time you're expecting to learn about the Blair Witch. And the first, like, story you get, because the three filmmakers, before they travel into the woods, are interviewing, and this is maybe my favorite part of the movie.
0: They're interviewing,
1: yeah, different townspeople. Yeah. Yeah. And something I learned about the production of this movie, which we'll talk about after we get to this plot, yeah, Yeah. is that the actors didn't know which of the people were planted actors and which were just random townspeople they were actually talking to.
0: Yeah. uh, Which is. And one of those random townspeople, like. was Ellie Kedward. One of those random townspeople said she'd heard of the the Blair Witch Project. And she was
1: not. She was so, not a plant. Which is so funny. I mean, we see that all the time now. Yeah. Like, they show those, like, like TikToks of people walking around or, like, people at Coachella. Do you know the videos from where they go and are like, oh, are you excited to see blah, blah, blah band? And the people will say yes, but it's a band that doesn't right. exist. Like, right. it's just, like, the power of just, like, cultural yeah. influence and, like, not yep. wanting to look like you don't know. It happens all the yeah. time. There's also my favorite one of them is the is when the mom is telling... The, that's the one and her kid freaks yes. out and is like no 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 and covers her mouth I but remember that's the woman that's so that funny is not a plant and, and sh- did not and just uh, went along with it that's so I would love to know do you oh, have any, interview her yeah seriously <laughs> and I remember being so afraid of that kid because it feels mm. like the kid and Like, I think what's happening is the kid heard the phrase scary story and just didn't want to hear a scary story, which I understand. But it feels a little supernatural
0: in a way that is so fun. Which is filmmaker gold. Can you imagine when they got that clip back and they were like, that wasn't even a plan? Yeah. And that just happened. And that kid is like, yeah, talk about like somebody playing along yeah so they're traveling
1: they're like you know popping around town interviewing different people and they they learn a story about a girl who gets lost in the woods in 1888 she's gone for three days and she says that she saw an old woman while she was out there whose feet never touched the ground so that woman is we we think the Blair Witch another story that somebody tells is a woman is her name Mary Brown yeah yeah um, who they decide is a kook, but she says that when she was out in the woods one time, she was like fishing with her dad, I think maybe, um, she saw an old woman who basically is how I would describe the Jersey Devil. She's like, you yeah, know, bipedal, bipedal, whatever, covered in mm-hmm. horse fur. Um, mm-hmm. You get a yeah. lot of... That was the Jersey Devil. Yeah, that that was the Jersey Devil. Uh, but they write her off as a kook because she's also a ballerina and so she's in the film industry and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But, but w- famously,
0: the Jersey Devil vacations in Maryland, and so, that's
1: obviously who she saw. Right. So that makes sense. That all, <laughs>
0: that all checks
1: out. Um, and so we're building the story of who the – I'm saying the Jersey Devil – who the Blair Witch is, <laughs> right? Her feet never touch the ground. She's covered in horse fur, blah, blah, blah. Then another story we learn about, and this is the really gruesome one, is this guy mm-hmm. Rustin Parr, yeah, um, who was a hermit who lived in the in the woods of of Blair Township of Burkittsville, and he came down um, from like out in the woods into town and said, um, "My work finally is finished. finally finished," which is spooky. Mm-hmm. And so they go to investigate, and they find the um, that he's killed. seven Seven children children. Mm -hmm. um and they tell this the person who tells the story and this was added after the fact apparently for context for that last scene in the movie which i think makes sense because it does i remember like watching this scene and being yesterday i remember and being like this feels a little too spoon feedy for me for what the end of the movie is but you find out that the way he killed the children is he'd bring two in he'd put one in the corner facing Mm -hmm. away he'd kill one child and just kind of rotate them out yeah um and then another other story is because they're <laughs> yeah. just building coffin rock it gets <laughs> yes, coffin rock is how yeah. kind of like scary and how much um just like murder has happened in these woods and yeah. the story of coffin rock is five men uh murdered uh also in the 1800s i think and um they were like ritualistically murdered. Apparently it was like, there was like writing really precise carved into their bodies. Um, mm-hmm. The person or people who found the corpses ran to town. By the time they got back, all five bodies were gone. Um, yeah.
0: And, quickly. and interestingly, yeah. Interestingly in the chronology that I'm looking at from mm-hmm. this book, that I'm guessing was again compiled from the external sources. Not it, I know it wasn't from the film. It was from all of the other legends that right and website and all that yeah. we will talk about. But apparently, actually, those men were a search part of a search party dispatched for a girl who um, was reported missing in 1886. Eight-year-old so, Robin Weaver is oh, reported missing. That's search the girl the who, when
1: she came back, said she saw a woman whose feet never touched the ground.
0: Must have been, yeah. And so it was the um, one of the search parties that were murdered and disemboweled. So
1: that apparently happened at the same time as the story. Yeah. That the
0: okay. Yeah, and I, if you ask me, that's one one murder too many. <laughs> yeah. For, for us to keep track of, yeah, In I, this movie, I, I it was agree. distracting. Yeah.
1: Um. And so, but I do like all that setup. You also. Um, get at first what seems to be this is i was like oh we've got some scare me stuff going on here which is at first it seems that like heather is the really capable if a bit abrasive one in the beginning mm-hmm. and the guys are like maybe a little more inept but but easier to like <laughs> um yeah and that kind of shifts around throughout the movie i think uh yeah. which i actually kind of like um but so they get all of that and then they go out into the woods and that's the rest of the movie they uh every day continue to get lost because i think heather thinks she knows how to read the map none of them actually do they also uh lose the map at one point well we find out yeah that mike kicked it into the creek yeah Uh, um and they're slowly unraveling and slowly each night being tormented more and more by something out in the woods the Mm -hmm. first night they hear some like what sounds like footsteps maybe it's the second night um then they start to hear some voices a baby screaming children's
0: voices children's
1: voices something attacks their tent at one point Mm -hmm. Um, you can actually like visually see that josh disappears um oh and there's like stuff left outside their tent oh there yeah which lots of lots of scary sticks so many scary sticks and scary piles rock cairns yeah so many all over the place yeah Which, again, I remember finding very frightening when I was younger. I think it's cool. I think it's, like, an interesting way to threaten somebody if this were real. Um, And I think we've established, like, I'm not, like, it's very easy for me to suspend my disbelief. It is very easy for me to do that with a movie. It's not something I struggle with. For some reason with this movie, it's so hard not to think about it through the lens of, well, the year it came out, nobody was sure whether or not it was real. Like, yeah. So that kind of, that does color it. But I, I do think it is really eerie to see, like, they, at one point they come upon this, like, uh, not really a clearing, but um, a thinning of trees where then hmm. hung between them are all of these scary stick sculptures uh, that does kind of prey on our, because they keep calling it voodoo shit, which is yeah. just like, none, like, I just don't think any Northeastern white kid in 1999 knew what, quote unquote voodoo shit nope. would really look like. So it's kind of like playing on just that kind of like ignorance too. Um and so Josh disappears. The thing that is scariest to me in this movie, other than the the one bundle of sticks like I said, is <laughs> The thing – because they do this in – there are, like, a few movies that do this. They've been traveling all day and they end up in the spot they started from. Yeah. Which is really frightening to me. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. That is No, scary... I get that. And, and... and that's also the moment where I – at least for me, it was like, okay, can Heather not read a map or is something fucking with them? Right, right. Exactly. You know? Something really powerful if it's able to yeah. do fucking with yeah. them. Yeah. And yeah. Like, is the woods a Bermuda Triangle? Right? right. Exactly. Like, a place you can't escape once you've gone there. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's not that she's terrible at reading a map. Maybe it's just that, like, the woods doesn't want them to leave. Exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: and and that's what seems to become more and more apparent because they've been traveling for days and days and days. Um, yeah.
0: And as Heather says, America has killed all its natural resources, so you cannot get lost in the woods in America. Yeah, she keeps She keeps saying that. And I wonder... If you're in the woods where they shot this,
1: how long you would have to walk in one direction to eventually hit civilization in any direction.
0: I do think that in the Northeast, like maybe south of New Hampshire. I was going to say, once you
1: get up into New England, I don't know. New Hampshire and
0: Maine is a whole other thing. But once you're south of like real New England, it is... Yes, you can get lost in the woods, but I don't know that you could get lost for that many days if you, like, just looked at the direction of the sun and walked in one direction the whole time. If you just made sure you were actually
1: walking in one direction and you had the physical capability, that there wasn't something stopping you from actually covering ground all day long. Yeah. I I don't think you could be trapped more than a few days, right? Or lost Well, because this
0: was filmed in Cedar something forest in Maryland. I can't remember. Uh, Filming... Seneca, <laughs> I was thinking of New Jersey, Seneca Creek State Park, um, which is 6,300 acres along 14 miles of Seneca Creek and it's run to the Potomac River. So 14 miles, you could easily walk in, like, I mean, hikers walk that in a day easily. Right. So, So, yeah, I think that this specific area of Maryland they're in, it would be hard to not hit civilization if you walked in the same direction for a couple of days right so something is keeping them there yeah and
1: um josh disappears and mike and heather continue to fall apart Mm -hmm. um they hear him they hear screaming that sounds like josh at one point Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night they aren't sure if it's actually josh or it's something that can sound like josh because at this point they've started to realize or believe that there's supernatural forces working against them yeah Then Heather finds a bundle, a very scary bundle of sticks, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which is the thing. This is
0: actually a scary bundle of sticks.
1: This is a very scary bundle of sticks. Yeah. And she opens it. And it is. Now, this is when you asked me if there was any gross eating in this movie. And I said, no, but there was something related that was really gross, but I figured you'd be fine with. It's a bundle. That made me laugh. (laughs) It's a bundle of sticks filled with teeth and a tongue. And it is. Well. So is that I, not a
0: tongue? It's not actually a tongue. It looks like a tongue. It's is just it, teeth and hair, apparently. Is it supposed
1: to look? It's, like, it's not supposed no. to look like a tongue. It just happens to.
0: Yeah. I read something with an interview with one of the filmmakers who said that because of the shitty quality of the video, they kind of like the fact that it could be a number of things. Right. But it was just actual teeth that they got from a dentist. <laughs> I did read that. And and a piece of the of Josh, the actor's hair that they cut. It looks so
1: much like a tongue. Now I'm even less scared because it looks really gruesome. But, like, I could get you some teeth, no problem. A tongue is harder to scare. (laughs) If you need teeth,
0: call Andrea. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So that is, but so, and and Heather. That is creepy. Mike doesn't see that. And Heather, I don't think, tells him that she's found that. Um, No, she keeps it from him. And so. there's that really good where she starts putting gloves on. She's like, I'm just putting gloves on my hands. Like I thought yeah. that was really good. Um, and then we have the famous scene that has been made uh, fun of, made a parody of uh, a million times, yeah. which is that very close up snot covered face apologizing. Yeah. Heather's, you know, it's her fault, whatever. Um, they're, they eventually come upon a house out in the woods. It is a very scary abandoned house. Again, if you are Ooh. from, New Jersey and I'm sure other places do it as well but we're kind of like famous for our kids uh, exploring as we talked about the beginning of this episode and a million times before abandoning uh, abandoned sites but it is it's a scary house there's little bloody handprints all over Um, there's all those kids there's there's some like symbols um, and that scene is really tense and stressful to watch I think, because they're cutting back and forth between the two cameras. They're both running around the house. They're both screaming for each other and for Josh. And then one camera falls. And then we cut to just Heather. Heather's POV. And she enters a room. And you get the shot, which is what I've chosen as my background, which is clearly Mike standing in a corner. And Mm -hmm. then her camera falls. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. That is the end of the movie. Yes, and and so I guess we're see. This is what's confusing about the legend of it all is it's not the
0: Blair Witch who is no because it's the Raymond whatever his face is Rustin story. Parr Rust. Sure,
1: <laughs> but are, are we to think maybe that Rustin Parr is like possessed maybe by the spirit of the, or that somebody maybe Josh maybe the Blair Witch does the possessing and she possessed Rustin Parr all those years ago, and now she's also possessed Josh
0: maybe. I think this might be more thought than the creators actually put into this. But then who are we
1: to assume we heard making all that noise in the woods before Josh disappeared? It
0: all falls apart if you think too hard about Mm -hmm. it. There's too many elements.
1: Which is kind of the brilliance of being so adamant about um, marketing this as a true story. Because you you can't question it, right? Like, this is just, these are the facts, here's what we have, and we can't explain anymore. Um, Yeah. And in that way, I think it's kind of brilliant. Like, I think they did a really obviously they did a great job back then because we still talk about this movie.
0: Well, and I will say, I think part of the reason we talk about this movie is not because of the story or a big part is not because of the story. Like the story is you and I have done more
1: thinking about the story than anybody has probably in a long time already. Yeah,
0: because it doesn't it really doesn't hold up as a story once you start picking apart the especially this article that i read where it was like actually chronologically um writing out each bit of the legend from all of the sources not just from the movie it's like wow this is a lot and it doesn't quite relate to the way this movie ended um i will say and you may know this already but there are like a bunch of alternate endings that were shot there's like four yeah
1: i haven't seen Um, i
0: I watched them there any of them do they they're do- bad okay so it's exactly the same the only thing that's different is what mike is doing when she walks into the room so the end that we have is him facing the wall spooky there's one where he's hanging oh what's like the singing no hanging oh ow! like from a noose oh that would have had to have happened so fast singing would have been creepier <laughs> um what's hanging yeah (laughs) there's one where he's kind of like crucified looking but kind of floating like it's really shitty quality so it's hard to tell but he's like kind of hovering in a crucified pose and then there was another one that i can't remember You sure it's not one where he was singing i wish it was i really do um but all of them, I think, of the choices, this was the best choice, especially mm-hmm. with the additional scene that they added in, like you said, of right. the story of the, the kids facing the wall. Like, at least it connects to something. Mm-hmm. I get the idea that it was maybe felt a little heavy-handed watching it after the fact. But I think without that, it made – nothing made any fucking right. sense about the way that it ended. Yeah,
1: it also does, if you don't know that,
0: not to get, like, whatever, but it does kind of just, like, maybe he's peeing. Yeah, <laughs> it does look like he's peeing. Um but it does so i think the reason that it worked the best was partly just because it connected to earlier in the movie but also throughout the movie mike's character is erratic mm-hmm. childlike mm-hmm. he says he kicked the map into the yeah, creek and that's through, a very he like threw a he, tantrum exactly and so the idea of him as like a a kid in this mm-hmm. ending kind of fits with the character that he kind of created for himself yeah There's a lot of different directions we could go in talking about this movie. I feel like I don't, as someone who didn't see it originally, I don't know how much of this has been talked to death, but the production is super interesting. Yeah. Um, The marketing is super interesting. Like... Yeah. I would
1: like to talk about the production because I do think... Let's start with that. That and the marketing are the things that I think are maybe even more interesting than the movie itself, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think we could also talk about some of the... I, I personally kind of want to talk about the aesthetics of it. Totally. Um, from the perspective of of somebody who thinks about these things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's... Yeah, let's start with the production. Because I think it's it's fascinating. And it's the reason that this movie, I think, is still talked about. Because it's such a departure from how a movie is normally shot. Mm-hmm. So do you want to start, like, with your thoughts about it? or Do we just want to, like just kind of run through how yeah, this movie. let's talk about how they did it
1: how it was made yeah. um the like just to start with the casting probably was just mm-hmm. they ran some ads like literally they were just like we need actors who are good at improv um and are willing
0: to be really uncomfortable yeah and just yeah. kind
1: of and that was it and these are the three people who were
0: cast based on that um did you read about how heather was cast about her audition i don't know tell me so when they walked into the casting room the um actors they were told that they were just going to be improvising when they walked in and so when they walked in they didn't even like the casting people the directors the creators didn't introduce themselves didn't do any of the formalities they basically just started asking them questions huh. and they were told that the scene that they were walking into was that they had been in prison the for like a sentence of 25 years and they were going up for parole early mm. and they were like why should we let you out of prison um and apparently heather was the only one who was like maybe you shouldn't <laughs> and they were like she's fucking creepy <laughs> we like her <laughs> like imagine what she would do after a few days in the woods of, yeah. like being deprived of food like <laughs> so that her rules. yeah her her audition was apparently very uh memorable that's cool yeah.
1: And then they basically put them in the woods um with with the this is an obvious thing to say but like the cameras they used are the ones whose footage you're seeing diegetic Um, cameras and as far as they knew they were out there alone except that they were being like um I, I read like the all of their instructions for the day were in like film canisters that were left for them so they knew they weren't like actually isolated but in terms of interacting directly with any sort of like outside crew I think that was pretty limited right or have you
0: yeah so okay I again like i said i did way too much research no
1: no such thing also this is your movie for the week so feel free i
0: okay so i found out a lot about the um the actual filming process uh so yes you're right they were basically left alone with the cameras they were given instructions daily in these little film canisters for like what their character was going through that day or like a direction to take the character. Mm-hmm. They were also given GPS coordinates to get to right that, okay. for the next day, and they had GPS units on them, so the crew always knew where they were. Um, but the directions would be very vague, right? Like, um, and they were not allowed to share them with each other, That's so that it so would inc- fun, because it would create this distrust, right, among the three of them. And then at night, the crew would come in and fuck with them. Mm-hmm. Right, so the crew was shaking the tent. The crew was running around, like in all white, like what running fun... past them. Because J- yeah. there's that one when
1: they do run out of the tent, Heather yeah. sees something and she's screaming, "What the fuck was that?" And she sounds so scared. <laughs> like,
0: so you know what that was? I-,
1: I did read what this was. Yeah, but if it's a wanna... crew
0: member like dressed in all white with Basically a white in a morph st- suit, <laughs> stocking on his head. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is, like they knew. That they were being fucked with at night by the directors. And I guess like the first night or two, it was actually kind of scary. And then after that, when they would hear something in the middle of the night in the woods, they'd be like, oh, fuck, we got to get up and act now. Right. You know? So it definitely, like, it was immersive, but it also, like, they were attached to reality the whole (laughs) time. Like, they had a safe word with the directors and they had a safe word with each other. um the safe word they had with each other was taco though and they (laughs) they felt like they had chosen a bad word because they got really hungry towards the end and every time they said the word taco they got more hungry
1: there are a couple of scenes that are really kind of sweet because they do get really really tense with each other and nasty with each other but they they keep fighting to hold on to because they realize they're like they're they're all any of them have that they might be out here for the rest of their lives who knows and so there are moments where they get back to being like uh sweet with each other and uh, yeah it's almost always about food i think there are a couple of scenes where one of them says he's like i've got a cheeseburger in my pocket Mm -hmm. and then one of them is talking about like what what meal like mom's mashed potatoes that whole thing yeah Um, and it's funny because i would bet that some of that is like coming from a very real place because they weren't being fed while they were out there. Right. At least not.
0: Well, enough. they were being, yeah, they were being fed, but this is like such psychological torture. Mm-hmm. Um, they were being fed, but each day they were being fed less. And so there so was imagining... never enough for them to starve. It was always enough to keep them going, but right. it says um, this is by uh, Michael. I think The they're all, they're right. They're all, the characters are the actual names of the people in the movie, which mm-hmm. becomes a problem in their lives later on. But right. Michael Williams says, let's say the first day was a sandwich and a bag of chips for lunch. And the second day was maybe just the sandwich. The third day was maybe just the bag of chips. The fourth day, maybe we didn't have a lunch. By the last couple of days, there was enough to sustain, but not a lot of food. So they decreased the amount of food we were eating, which we knew was going to happen, but it wasn't like we didn't eat for days. Our safety was never at risk. The whole idea was to have us uncomfortable as possible without putting us in danger. Right. Um heather donahue said we didn't have to skin squirrels or anything it was kind of a daily use park we had to stop shooting for families going past on their bikes that's and John- really funny i didn't mm-hmm. i'd never read that there's a huge oral history like a four-part oral history of the movie on the week that i went through last night uh josh leonard says i was probably too stoned to be scared <laughs> he was apparently stoned through a lot of this movie well good for him yeah So yeah, that's, that's, you know, it was basically they were being led through GPS, they were being given vague instructions. And then the thing that I don't think I knew, which I should have known, because it's one of the most famous things about the movie is that everything in it's improvised. Yeah, all the dialogue is just they were given, like instructions for the day and then told to just go do it and film it. It's so um... nothing was scripted really
1: impressive when you think about that especially because these are young actors yeah they're it's like 19 to 22ish and it's like pr- everybody's first major film i mm-hmm. think right um mm-hmm. and it's a lot to they're also not like it's not like they're long time professional filmmakers they're doing a lot of new things
0: yeah they had to like have crash courses on how to you know like um i think it was josh was partly cast because he already knew how to use the camera mm-hmm. And then they Heather had to be somebody. Yeah. And Heather had to be trained to use the camcorder and Mike had to be trained to use the dat recorder mm-hmm. or whatever. Um but yeah, I mean, people at the time I guess complained about how bad the dialogue was. And it was like that's the point. Like yeah. they're like scared kids. They're not being fed lines. They're just saying what they're being repetitive, they're saying what people would normally do in that situation. And it is
1: unbelievable to me that they sound so believable as just regular people talking because it is hard to to write dialogue and deliver dialogue that sounds like real people talk but isn't like uh but that is still compelling and it is it is even when they're being like the like you know the dialogue that people are complaining about like it's still i was i was never really bored Watching it and listening to them talk, I don't think. And
0: Although it is yeah. only an hour and 20 minutes, so that helps. Thank God. <laughs> Everybody, please, short movies. <laughs> um, um, so. Yeah, and so apparently the only part that was sort of not filmed solely by the three of them um, with no assistance was at the beginning, the interview with the guy that we talked about that was like to set up the um kids standing in the corner thing and then also at the end in the house they were too concerned about someone getting hurt so and there was a lot of like choreography that had to be done in that abandoned house that they had to like they basically i thought this was interesting they allowed them to improv their way into the house they basically said you're going to get to a thing you're going to see that thing and then you're going to go up and mike is going to go down and that's all they said they didn't even say it was a house so cool then they saw the house they went in the house. Heather starts walking up, Mike starts walking down, and then they basically had to interrupt them because they were afraid that, like, they were going to hurt themselves. Right. And then they choreographed the end of it where they're running up and down the stairs because otherwise you would, like, somebody would die. Like Right,
1: yeah. You it would is. fall.
0: Yeah. It's, it, it's it, not is. a set. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so other things about production. So the notes that they would get, I found a quote from uh that article that I was talking about. Actually this is a Guardian article. And it says the notes would say things like, Heather, you're absolutely sure that to get out of this mess you go south. Don't take no for an answer. Or Josh, somewhere along the way today you've had it with this bullshit. And that's it. That's that so was what they fun. were given. I know. It's <sighs> such a cool exercise. Yeah. And thank God yeah. it worked though, because they could have ended up because I wonder with what, shit.
1: were the people back How could they have been? They weren't getting dailies or anything, right? They were. They were.
0: So they were dropping film canisters that the crew was watching. Okay. Um, But I will say that, and I don't know, you may know this already, but this was news to me, that the original version of this film was about, supposed to be about half that footage and half pseudo-documentary footage about the missing kids. Like a, like, uh... About the missing Heather Mike, and Yeah. Yeah. There was going to be a whole other filmed half that was like documentary um from the outside after the kids had gone missing
1: you know what's so funny is i think this my guess is that that wouldn't work as well as this yeah but i love stuff like that it reminds i'm gonna this is so like not really the same thing but two of my favorite books are frankenstein and dracula and both of them like what if you've not read the books you there's no reason you would think this because it's not how the movies are told at all uh frankenstein is just a series of it's a frame story it is a series of letters at the center of which is dr frankenstein telling his story dracula is letters and uh like firsthand accounts written on typewriter and i
0: think uh, are you gonna make me pull up the pdf from jstor again (laughs) i think you are did i make a connection you did and you those certainly are did. Two of my
1: Frankenstein's my or the Modern Prometheus blah 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 is my favorite book, and Dracula's in my like top ten. Um, may, may I read and that's you a why? quote from an would, academic
0: source, please? Wow. Okay, I know this is Ooh. sort of our our favorite mm. thing in the influences section mm-hmm. of this thing that I found. Devil's Advocates. It says, going all the way back to 18th century literature, Harris, ah. 2001, 75 to 76, I will include the footnote, <laughs> has noted the influence of epistolary novels on the Blair Witch Project. Oh, I'm having a great time. No better high than being academically correct. Mm. Uh-huh. An epistolary novel is one that is written as a series of documents, most commonly letters, written either by either a single or multiple protagonists. Therefore, the reader of such novels only hears the story from one point of view, the main character that writes the letter or diary entry. In the Blair Witch Project, we vit- witness the video diary of the mm-hmm. protagonists. Correct. Yep. Hell yeah! Oh, I love. Also, that. in that same section, now I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself happy. We'll talk about the aesthetics a little bit later, but it says um, Higley and Weinstock point to the ghost photographs so popular at the turn of the 20th century that suggest to an observer that something extraordinary has occurred and been captured by a keen camera operator. So, we're going to talk about the camera function Very later cool. on, but I just want that was the same part, same like section. Um, so, yes, you are correct. This is an epistolary novel via video in 1999.
1: Which I think is why I love found footage in general yeah. so much. It's yep. such a, and it's, you know, it's funny, and I'm sure lots of people have written plenty about this, is that it is almost only ever used for horror. Hmm. I can't think of too many other examples books are different because like uh, "Perks of being a wallflower um i there, there are a lot of actually young adult of, yeah. novels that are that are epistolary but in terms of film i can't think of yeah. too many that I'm are told. sure there are but they're not
0: coming to my mind either
1: yeah um, I, I think it probably has so much to do with the way found footage you can fuck with the um because it's, that first person, see, it does two things. that I'm just, I'm working through this as we're talking. I haven't thought about this until just now. But it's like, on the one hand, we can't, obviously, I don't believe this. Camera doesn't lie, right? You're seeing what
0: was filmed. So it's got to be true. Can I, can I quote Richard Avedon at you? <laughs> Please do. All photographs are accurate. None of them is the truth. Beautiful. I love that. Yes. It is that. how I start all of my photo classes That's because amazing. the camera does lie all yeah, of the fucking of time. Of course.
1: Right. Yeah. But the story you get to tell yourself when you're watching a found footage movie, a horror movie is it. This is the footage. It, You know, it just it's yeah. fact. We don't have anything. You know, there's no sp- whatever, blah, blah, blah. But and the also... thing that
0: communicates that to you is the aesthetic of yeah. found footage. It right. is the poorly shot, poorly lit, shaky like, low quality, that is the thing that says to you, this really happened. Right, right. And that is what is used to manipulate people. And I guess that
1: doesn't, like, what other genre could get away with that and still tell an effective story? And again, photography, (laughs) what other film genre um, could could get away with that and still tell a good, compelling story? And I, again, I'm sure there are examples that I don't know about or that I'm just not thinking of right now. And listeners if you can think of any please i I'd, I'd love to hear them um but it's just it's it is not surprising but it is interesting that a horror lends itself so well to this uh or this style of filmmaking lends itself so well to the horror genre
0: yeah i think also in sort of our little section on production we sh- we should talk about the finances of this movie because it's sort of it's a legendary story that is Exaggerated occasionally. They be some people say, oh, it was shot for thirty-five thousand dollars and it made like multiple millions. It was shot for a very, very small budget of like mm-hmm. thirty-five 000 to sixty thousand dollars. But the post production added another two the estimate is two hundred thousand to seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So it's not a, you know, it's not a nine hundred dollar movie. Right. But oh. no. <laughs> what a number to throw out. Random. Just came to me. Um <laughs> It grossed nearly 250 million worldwide, though, making it one of the most successful independent films of all time and the highest-grossing film up until that point. It's uh, like very based cool. on like its cost to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they yeah they really did this for almost nothing. They basically all like camped in someone's house. There were like 16 of them sleeping on the floor. Like it just yeah.
1: I don't know why I love to hear a story like this but i do I it just makes me so happy just thinking about how like you know because i love fun that is also miserable <laughs> like i love the kind of fun where you're miserable while you're having it secondhand fun i, I just
0: learned about yeah or well, so what is is that was i right it's, about the name of it if that's not it's not it. It. it's like
1: level or type one two and three fun type two fun type two fun that's it and that's a hiking thing it's well i didn't know i have i'm sure that there there are examples of me on record before today saying that equivalent i didn't know it was a real thing until literally yesterday when one of my other podcasts i was editing was talking about it Uh, i would not have known what you were talking about if you said that to me 24 hours ago isn't that weird
0: yeah. Yeah. It's a thing in the in the hiking world of like a really tough hike that in the moment is miserable. And then after the fact, you're like, that was so great. Yeah. Type one fun is fun. That's
1: just fun. In the moment.
0: Type yeah. two fun
1: is not having a great time, but you look back on it and you remember it was fun. Type three fun is like uh, hiking uh, or hiking is like uh, scaling Mount Everest where it's like it mm. wasn't fun at the time. And you... Don't have fun thinking about it afterward, and you're not sure why you did it, but you keep doing it. I yeah. would argue that that's when you start traveling into like pathological. Like there's like, yeah. <laughs> there's some problems there. Nobody compulsive disorder of some kind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah, yeah that type funny? two fun. Yeah, that's a cool synchronicity there. Yeah. But so Um, that does it does make me very happy to think about all these people crammed in making something that they're not sure if it's even
0: going to work. Like it was only filmed over eight days. And so they were up all night half the time, like just like shaking tents and like leaving sticks outside. And yeah, I I said to
1: uh, my roommate and I feel like you will understand this in a way that they did not. I was like, I can't. The, like, last third of that movie when they're walking, when Mikey is, like, just laughing and is Mm -hmm. fully gone. But they're all furious. But also, I was like, I can't totally explain this, but this was my last semester of grad school. (laughs) Like, I just, I understand that it wasn't actually as taxing as being lost in the woods and being chased around by a scary witch maybe and a murderous ghost. I don't know. But, like, I spent...
0: Exhaustion, trauma, being broken down mentally... But also like, knowing
1: that, like, I'm here because I chose this. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I did this to myself. No, that is a good. That is a good description of the last semester of grad school. Actually, that, that kind of weird mania. Just like, yeah, oh, the I'm... like loopiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there was. I thought there was a funny, a funny note that I just wanted to mention when I was reading the like oral history of it. So the three of them are out there, right? And basically. If you just give vague instructions, you don't really have control over the way the personalities mesh. And so originally, Mike was supposed to die first. And so they were going to pull Mike in the middle of the night one night. But when they were getting those dailies that we were talking about, they noticed that Josh and Heather were fighting so much. Mm -hmm. And that it was starting to kind of take over in a way they didn't want. So So they they pulled Josh in the middle of the night. They like, they so, just, in in his note for that day, it said, tonight when everyone goes to bed, don't fall asleep, sneak out of the tent, don't wake anyone up. If anyone wakes up, tell them you're going to take a piss and then get out of there. And they picked him up and they said, you're dead now. And they took him to Denny's for food. Isn't that that's cool? That's so cool. Isn't that cool? I'm thinking So about he wasn't supposed to die
1: first. How much of an influence, like this, it there's a little bit of like reality TV production-
0: parallel uh, 100%. With this kind of
1: thing of like this is yep. what happened it's not improvised when people
0: stop being polite and start getting, real. <laughs> start getting
1: real but they're shaping the narrative from the outside based on what they're That's seeing exactly happening on the exactly right
0: do i need to go back to my pdf
1: i would love for you to go back to your pdf oh i'm having so much fun
0: you are killing it right now thank you so much wow i haven't
1: had a professor compliment me that (laughs) way it's so long i feel alive right now
0: your participation grade is going to be off the charts oh my god thank you so much (laughs) yeah absolute a plus for participation in an interview with mcdowell who i don't know who that is daniel myrick one of the creators concedes that the basic idea was those old documentaries those old in search of episodes that came on in the 70s Um, there are numerous television precedents for its use of reality tv tropes to increase its sense of authenticity casting guy notes that the Blair witch project includes documentary conventions, but also considers reality TV to be one of the most important Mm -hmm. contextual factors for understanding the film. Um, Authenticity is a key factor that both reality TV and audiences of the Blair witch project desire signifiers of the real are important in maintaining a sense of authenticity and to a contemporary audience an awareness of the camera's presence is increasingly an important part of creating the reality effect. Um, the juxtaposition of individual two camera confessions being edited next to footage of group discussions in reality television programs, such as big brother can also be (laughs) seen in the film because you've got the sort of like snotty nose and bit where she's talking to the camera. Well, and they, at one point, I think it's Josh says like, why are
1: you filming? She's like, we're making a documentary. And he's like, but not about us. And they have to, it's funny now, not to get all millennial, you know, uh, like having shit to say about gen z but it is funny now that like i don't know that you would need to include that in a movie like this today right but you had to justify heather always having the camera on back then because it wasn't something we were so used to you know
0: yeah yeah i want to just end with this little quote here Mm -hmm. um higley amusingly suggests Blair Witch Project gives American viewers what they liked in reality TV—a voyeuristic glimpse of people mm. on the edge screaming at one another. <laughs> Amazing! Look at you, <laughs> leading us so, right to it. It's so true, though. I like, know. It's so, well, and this is '99, right? Yeah. So, what reality TV did we have? We had Survivor, I believe, and we had the Real, had world, the real of world,
1: and I think Road Rules by the definitely Road Rules, which is yeah. you know the Real World kind of like traveling
0: spin-off. spinoff. Um, And people of my generation, at least, who I graduated college in 99, were very into real world. Uh, We were obsessed obsessed. with these shows because they did feel
1: so new and different and quote-unquote real. And it's funny, too, because now there's so much reality TV and we're all – I don't know if better is the right word, but more aware consumers of it. Like we know how how producers shape narratives for these shows in a way we didn't – back then Um, yeah and we're at least and we're
0: weirdly like picky about it it's like we we know that they're producing these Mm -hmm. people i'm speaking specifically of like reality dating shows right now because that's sort of the one that's been around the longest um that i'm familiar with Mm -hmm. but like we want it to be produced because we don't want to be bored right but also if we see the producer's hands too much we get pissed about it too yeah exactly because it's like this is you're taking it too far. Like you're torturing these people. We wanted them to be mildly tortured, not really tortured, but just mild torture. We're like, we're like experts (laughs) now. Yeah. I mean, there's all these podcasts (laughs) about reality TV Mm -hmm. um, that, that every week we'll break this stuff down, Mm -hmm. you know? So we are much more aware of it now.
1: And you know, what's funny too, this is a little, this is a total tangent side note, but um, One of the one of the I I, I've mentioned a few of the shows I work on are hosted by ex reality TV Mm -hmm. contestants, stars, whatever. Um, But their podcasts aren't about reality TV. That's just
0: where they like this started out. Yeah, mostly
1: like how they found each other, the co-hosts, and how they got an audience in the first place. Yeah, Yeah. and Brain Candy, um, they. One of the hosts, Sarah, is a therapist and her work in grad school. Did I already s- talk about this last week? Is but is about the like real effects and real trauma on the like and the way that like their mental health is affected. No, you didn't talk about this last week. Yeah. Because of how horrifically they're treated and how, yeah. and how much of that doesn't end up on camera. So they have no like, uh, There's no, like, awareness or evidence of that? Yeah. Yeah, they're Um, very manipulated. And it's... And just thinking about these people traipsing around in the woods and us talking about what that production was like and how they, like, stressed out the real people Mm -hmm. to get reactions on camera. Like, Sarah talks about the fact that, like, they weren't allowed... They just weren't allowed to have the lights off. Like
0: in that's um, literal in, uh, that's an actual method of psychological it's torture a, it's like a war crime to do that yeah to it is a war crime uh, um i will say that the difference that i see immediately between that and this is that these people had a safe word
1: yeah yeah <laughs> they
0: literally could stop the filming and they mm-hmm. did one night they were like oh, apparently super wet and cold Whoa. and tired and they like the tent had gotten water in it and they were really really uncomfortable and apparently they called over whatever um, communication device they had. They said the safe word because they mm-hmm. wanted to be repulled so they could like recoup. And the, apparently the cast was at dinner and didn't answer. <gasps> but they had um, they had been given alternate routes out of where they were, and so literally Heather just walked out one of those routes and knocked on someone's door. Whoa. And then like they called the crew and they came and got him. So like. It wasn't necessarily easy to get out of there, but they right. did have – they did have the, the means to call stop and say, hey, I need a break from this. This is too much. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure there was plenty of pressure not to do that, whether it was implicit but or explicit. knowing that you
1: could at any point if you yeah. really needed to. Yeah,
0: exactly. I'm sure that Exactly. It's fascinating.
1: Yeah. fascinating. Fascinating.
0: Um. So, I mean, I could talk about the production forever because it's so interesting, but I think we should talk also about the marketing because mm-hmm. that is sort of what this – what this kind of um as we said this is not the originator of the found footage genre there is something terrifyingly called um cannibal holocaust oh fuck that movie did you see it oh my god yes Fuck that
1: movie
0: i mean like actual animals are killed in that movie like i i I, i'm i'm mad that i know about this at all
1: there is i'm I'm not even going to describe it to you and actually i won't and if i did describe it now i'm i'm going back and forth because if i did describe it to you um
0: i read a little bit about it and i wish i hadn't
1: th- there's a moment in that movie that i'm still so horrified by that like the second you said the phrase the image that i'm thinking of popped into my head and i will be unsettled the rest of the day i'm for so it. sorry it's i mean it, it just it happens you know a couple of times yeah. a year and it is like an actual like there's like a spot in my brain that you could probably i feel like you could see that is from that movie yeah um and I don't. I hate. I'm so now. While we're talking about reality TV and and that and all, like I I have no desire to seek out those like the like faces of death and yeah, like those, snuff like, film kind of. I yeah, have, I, I hate it. And I didn't realize I didn't know what Cannibal Holocaust was when we watched it because my friends and I would just like see. We were really into watching horror movies a lot. Yeah. And I don't know if somebody in my group who picked that movie knew what it was, but I didn't going into it. And I was furious. I hate that movie.
0: Yeah. It's from 1980. And it's just so that people know what we're talking about. It, um, it was a found footage movie again, with the idea of the disappearance of a young movie crew that were in search of like a cannibal tribe or something. Um, but basically there's also, I just want to bring this up because there's controversy back and forth about whether the filmmakers knew about it. Mm -hmm. Like, um, Edward, sanchez i think his first name is edward sanchez said that um if he had known about that movie he would not have made blair witch in the way that they made it but other people say obviously they knew about this movie so like
1: wait what what i'm confused i thought you meant the filmmakers of cannibal corpse didn't know what they were making
0: no 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 why would the that have filmmakers of blair Witch similar
1: other They're than the same concept footage
0: well they're the same oh, missing the movie film crew. crew it's, yeah, it's funny because yeah, yeah.
1: you know what's funny to me about that is like you can't have a found footage movie if the actors aren't playing a film crew, like or, right. aren't playing people holding cameras. I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that. That, that yeah. part of it, does. it feels like how else if you want to make a found footage movie, how else do you find the yeah. footage? <laughs> like, yeah. It has to be a crew that disappears.
0: Yeah. But a lot of people tried to sort of gotcha them and be like, oh, you're just you're influenced by this. You saw this and you wanted to make it. And. You know who, Isn't who like knows true who cares. For every found yeah.
1: foot, like yeah, I'm. That's so confusing to me. What else? How else would you do it?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Um, people need but, to
1: relax a little bit. Just yeah. the littlest bit.
0: Just a little. Um, but yeah, he does. Sanchez does say he never saw it before making Blair Witch. Who cares? Um, anyway. <laughs> So my, I said all of that basically just to say that like, this wasn't breaking ground necessarily as f- because it was found footage, right? right. This, this wasn't the first of that. What it kind of was the first of was a successful viral marketing campaign because before of, the movie
1: even started. Because of the internet, which Cannibal of the Holocaust internet. didn't have at its disposal in 1980, right.
0: really. But also, as we'll talk about when we talk about next week's movie... It was not the first to even try this. It was just the first to be successful. Like there is a level of virality that is shocking when you realize how rudimentary the internet was at the time. Mm -hmm. Like there was a website that you had to go to to talk on their message boards. Like it just, it wasn't like with social media where something will go viral in a day. This happened over months And months and months and months and months. Um, Right. The way an actual urban legend is spread over
1: time, mouth to mouth.
0: And during that time, they were adding stuff to the website periodically. Like it was sort of a back and forth um, between the people that were creating it and the people consuming it. But it became it was one of the reasons that when the movie came out, there were huge lines waiting Mm -hmm. to get in because they had been like on this website obsessing. Over what was true, what wasn't true, right. like all of these different little aspects of it, picking apart details, like um and also, not only is it did this happen because of the internet, it happened because of the type of internet we had at the time because a few years later, if you had had the ability to just really deep dive and Google these people, you yeah. would know that they were actors, like totally. and so it was just enough internet for the virality to happen, but not enough internet for it to be disproven immediately. It was like a sweet spot that doesn't exist anymore. God, again, uh, this this is why I'm I'm right now I'm I'm
1: like I'm glad that I can still like this movie so much, even though the reason I thought that I liked it was because I was so afraid of it. You know what <laughs> I mean? Now it turns out it's all of this stuff because that's so I love that that like this movie couldn't have happened the way it did any other way at any other nope. time.
0: Nope. No, I mean, it would have been made, but it wouldn't necessarily have exploded the way right. that it did. It wouldn't have made $250 million, right. you know? Um, yeah. They even say this in one of the articles I read. It says, now it wouldn't work, Sanchez said. One could easily look out on the yeah. internet that Heather from Blair Witch was an actress named Heather Donahue who hadn't disappeared at all. But instead, people were calling her mom with their condolences Saw because that. they thought that she had died. Yeah. To the point where people wouldn't believe that they hadn't died. They were so convinced. This is, like, there's a whole thing here about, like, the fake news internet that we have now we'll where talk no about, one believes um, anything. Yeah. But, like, she, they would literally be at events with the directors taking photos and people were, like, convinced that they had died and that these were actors playing them. Like, it, it's a false flag operation. That's, um... Uh
1: amazing it's amazing it reminds me they didn't want to change their minds yeah it reminds me of um uh i won't get too much into it here but uh plug 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 uh i've i've done an episode of uh our jersey our other jersey podcast new jersey is also or new jersey new jersey is the world my offshoot south jersey is also the world jesus that's convoluted <laughs> levels we we did an episode on ang's hat. Um, yes. which is fascinating and it is one of it and is. again if it makes sense that i'm as interested in talking about this movie as if ang's hat was like again one of those things that could only really work the way it did at the time it did um mm. but it was like one of the first alternate reality games um and it was started by one guy it blew up into something much bigger And he has not been able to take it back, even though he has on more than one occasion admitted to it being a fictional game Um, that he started as a project for school. And people still from time to time will show up at his house wanting like
0: access to Aung's hat. I mean, I think as part of talking about the marketing, we can also talk about the effect that it had on the actors because none of them really. Mm -hmm. I mean, Josh uh, Leonard has continued to act. He has been sort of a relatively quietly successful guy that is in a bunch of different shows for an episode or two. Like he's a working actor. He hasn't really become a star of anything. But like when you're in a movie that makes $250 million on a tiny budget, you're told that this is going to make your career. And instead, none of them could escape this movie. None of them. Michael Williams is working as a guidance counselor. Oh yeah, I did read that. I hope Heather. I hope so too. Uh, He does teach acting to kids, which is cute. Um, Heather um, has changed her name, but she became Heather Donahue. Became a weed farmer. Good for her. um, And a mystic, and uh, has written, um, I think, two books now. Um, But she changed her name. Book club. Oh Jesus Christ! (laughs) If we did a book club, we would not be reading a book about a marijuana farm. No offense, yeah, nothing no. wrong with that, but I'm just not interested. Uh, but she's changed her name to kind of try to escape it, right, to Ray Hance, um, which a little a little white lady stuff going on here, but it says <laughs> in 2020, Don changed her name to Ray Hans with Ray short for Ray Getsu, meaning spirit moon in Zen tradition after a reinvention that saw her become a spiritual guide. Whatever. Uh, Live your um, life live your life exactly. Um but you know, it didn't do for these three young actors what a movie of this level of success should should have done. Right. Um because of the I th- I think because of how authentically fucked up they all were when they filmed this, like how they basically were improvising the whole thing. They weren't given these amazing lines to read and act Mm -hmm. against and they weren't this wasn't a production that supported them as actors Mm -hmm. this was an improvisational exercise that was turned into a movie and so none of them had the kind of success that that they probably should have had after this movie and to the point where like Heather Donahue now Ray Hance like has a lot of really negative feelings about this experience. Um, not about the experience of filming the movie at all. She says she still would do it again. Right. But the the way that it um, kind of didn't turn out to be what she thought it would be. And mm-hmm. also the fact that they didn't get paid that much. The creators yes. made a lot of money off this movie and they got... I read somewhere and I can't say that this is 100% true because I only saw it in one source. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the the, the, the researcher in me is like, I, I need a so secondary I- <laughs> source, but that they got paid like a thousand dollars a day.
1: You couldn't pay me
0: a thousand dollars a day to hang out in the woods and be tortured by people. Absolutely sh- just not to
1: hang out in the woods at this point in my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I got this from a, a site called eighties kids.com. So who knows? <laughs> But it says right after they're talking about how she changed her name. So this is a relatively recent article. It says the film's eight day shoot saw Hans, Joshua Leonard, and Michael Williams paid a thousand dollars a day. Once the, movies was, once the movie was raking in the millions, residual checks didn't make their way to the stars. So that it, sucks. Uh-huh. And it says at the height of the film's success, Hans did an interview in which she referred to herself as the poorest new famous person in Hollywood, recounting an incident of her battered old car breaking down under furious. a billboard with her face on it.
1: I would be furious. I would yeah. never stop complaining.
0: Yeah. That sucks. It does. And there was also a recent thing. Um, did you did this pop up for you when you were doing your internet sleuthing? Um, that the scene of her screaming was recently used in the movie Tar? Like the sound? No. No. She's I went on um Ray Hansen's Instagram. Like I said, I did too much research. Um <laughs> and she said something about the actor's strike in support of it, because they said, she said, um, you know, I made a film without certain protections, and now my voice is being used in another film, and Whoa, I'm not getting compensated for that's it. That's
1: fucked up too.
0: Yeah, there's a scene apparently where Tar uh, is running through a field or the woods or something, and you hear the screams in the background, and they are literally, it is her voice from... Blair Witch Project. Whoa, and she's not getting paid for that. Ooh, fucked up, so fucked yeah. up. Yeah, unions are good. We need, we need unions. Uh, anyway, so they had a midnight screening of this at Sundance, and that was when it kind of exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was bought by Artisan Films for one point one million dollars, um, and then they took over the marketing, the um, the production company that bought the film, mm-hmm. and really like blew it up in a way like some of which i think was probably positive and some the creators are like did we need like action figures got like just you know it kind of went a little nuts yeah um but there's a funny uh anecdote about sundance one of the executive producers ahead of sundance held a screening in the east village invited friends, family publicists, and the crew collected sticks from a nearby park and made them into that twig man and hugged them in the lobby above the <laughs> snack tables. And then he says, we didn't realize how psychologically traumatic it was for the audience. People just wandered out like zombies, didn't eat the food, and kind of freaked out when they saw the stick figures and wandered off into the village. <laughs> so they traumatized yeah, people with the movie and then re-traumatized
1: them. They just see Imagine you think you have just watched a real a documentary kind of of these people who were brutally murdered and that maybe witchcraft is real, right? Like, and then you walk out and you see
0: the people who are doing bits. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the guys that contributed money to the beginning of the movie, like was, I don't have the exact details in front of me, but basically like they, a week before the movie came out, they released sort of a documentary quote unquote piece on the Discovery Channel about the legend of the it's Blair amazing. Witch. That could never happen today. No. It no. was such a... Yeah. It's, oh, I found it. A week before the feature's wide release, Myrick and Sanchez debuted a separate faux documentary called The Curse of the Blair Witch. On, sorry, it wasn't Discovery. On the Sci-Fi Channel. It added to the myth by using interviews and archival material they had cut from the movie. It was not presented as fiction.
1: It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I love it. I'm such a sucker for this stuff. I love it so much.
0: Yeah. And the, you know, the way that they kind of um, explained the fact that it had been turned into a film was that Heather Donahue's mother had contacted these young filmmakers to ask them to look through the footage and, you know, try to figure out story. what happened. Yeah. I
1: love it. I love it so much.
0: Yep. Oh, I have another Jersey connection. Ooh. Um, so in The Ringer's uh, sort of uh, recent, semi-recent um, article about the film uh it when they're talking about how they introduce themselves as the film company contact by the parents and blah 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 um, they were talking about the website that was created and it says modeling the site after kevin smith's view universe Aww. a website that hosted discussions about the connections between smith's movies they frequently popped into forums to offer new tidbits to the so-called investigation we had written ourselves into the mythology so So, fun so another little jersey connection that was a good one yeah i thought so yeah i mean i would argue this is a jersey movie but it just feels so and i I know that
1: um we in particular and our group of friends and jersey in general we can be a little like uh i don't what's the word of like we think we're the only ones whatever the thing is
0: like, oh um it's uh main character syndrome yeah
1: i think i think jersey because oh I, we definitely have main character but it's a defense mechanism because everybody treats of us course like it shit. Is. yeah but, but i understand that so i do understand to say like this feels like a jersey movie like yes i know kids run around in the woods and scare themselves everywhere but it's just so it, the thing is
0: we and, had weird new jersey like, i'm sorry that just, is my evidence well and weird also, new jersey magazine
1: Again, I say I this has been coming up so much everywhere because I keep bringing it up everywhere. But like it is unique to New Jersey. We are the only state in the United States where Where every every county county is is. a
0: metropolitan area. But
1: we also are the garden state for a reason. And we have woods and we have the Pine Barrens, which is a literally unique ecosystem in all the world. Mm-hmm. And to have both of those things happening in the same state, like, it just is a unique experience. So It's very
0: easy as a child, or at least it was when we were kids, to get to abandoned shit. It did yeah. not take very long because yeah. the state is so small and so and densely to, populated.
1: And to feel brave, not me again, but to feel brave enough exploring because you know that home is close, mm-hmm. you know, that like you that that tie to civilization is right there. So, like, yep, it, it just is unique in that way. And and again, not I, I'm sure that I love people, how defensive we are well, about this. I'm sure that other people have had similar experiences. I'm not saying that, obviously, Blair Witch Project isn't a Jersey movie. So there you go. Although, again, I will remind you. Well, I actually don't know where the filmmakers are from. I know they're not from Jersey, but um, one of them's from Florida. So like, I, I understand all of that, but yeah, it just does feel very Jersey to me.
0: And I have I have more evidence for you to Ooh. back that up. This is not from the PDF. This is from an Esquire article, which is maybe less. Uh, it's but important it, to diversify your sources. Yeah. But it talks about how one of the reasons this movie was so scary is because it expresses our fears of being, quote unquote, isolated in a sea of life. The fact that they know they're so close to civilization mm-hmm. and they can't get there. Yeah. That is what you're talking about with Jersey, where, like, you can be isolated in, you know... where jungle habitat used to be you can feel like you're a million miles from everywhere but you're only 10 minutes from a town Mm
1: -hmm. well and because i think one of the things too is that like you can be like you like so close like that and it's like in jersey you can the city can be any a city right could be Mm -hmm. right there and also you can be in a place where you can't get cell phone reception and like and that is scary and is something where it's like to be so close and no i think that's what it is that's why I, I said earlier in this episode the thing that's so scary to me is that moment when they realize they've been walking all day uh-huh. and, and because then it's like oh that tether you thought you had to civilization if you just keep walking now what yep that's
0: horrifying yep yep yeah can I talk aesthetics for a second? You can talk aesthetics for as long as you want. And we've kind of already talked about this, but the idea of um sort of amateur, quote unquote amateur footage reading as authentic mm-hmm. is something that goes way, way, way back in photography and film. Like anytime you want to fake something, if you do it kind of badly, <laughs> that's how it's you do it. <laughs> going to read as more real. And that's like been studied um in, in this PDF. I keep pulling it just a PDF. It's like a book. Um, But it says, The reason we believe what we see more in The Blair Witch Project than in other horror films is precisely because of our trust in cameras and recorded footage. That we were acutely aware that this is a film and a construction. The spectator is also invited to believe what they see on screen. Um, He also says um we're inclined to believe what we see due to the amateur nature of the footage the inexperience of the camera operators and their basic and limited techniques emphasize that the footage must be real and is not polished and carefully crafted enough to be faked um and that shows up with like the use of the darkness Mm -hmm. the fact that like there are scenes where you can only hear voices or you can just kind of see grainy light in the corner um So, Right, because if you're making
1: a movie, why would you want it to look bad on purpose? It must be real.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, camera lies, kids. Camera lies. Hello lies.
1: That's for lost.
0: That's really all I got. Amateur equals real in the world of (laughs) photography and film. Uh, Because we are simple humans and... We trust technology more than we should, even now when we trust it less than we used to. Mm -hmm. I think we still, I mean, jesus christ not to get too dark but like everything that's happening in the world right now there's so much faked footage out there or mm-hmm. footage taken from other places right i have a whole lecture on this in my class i could give a whole <laughs> i could do a powerpoint right now if you wanted me to andrea you probably like it i don't think our listeners going say but i probably do want you, you to you probably enjoy it yeah i have this powerpoint about like the history of faked news events and fake footage and so and cool. the different ways i mean it's that, horrifying but yeah but in the different ways that You don't even have to fake the footage. You can shoot from a certain angle. You can, you know, cut out part of what's being, you Mm -hmm. know, what's actually happening. You don't need to even fake footage to make, to influence people's emotions. Right. But you can also do that and people will believe you.
1: Yeah. fun time. (laughs) What else should we talk about? We have one more Jersey connection that I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention.
0: Um, And that I think we have been remiss to not know about. This is... I know. It, I'm like, I feel like I should not be allowed to say I'm from Jersey anymore after well, not
1: knowing this. Well, there's like a Mandela effect thing happening for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I am such a Jersey Devil obsessive. I know you are. I, but what I? Can I can vouch. I, like, <laughs> I can vouch for you, though. You I've, are. I have read everything. I have watched. I thought everything. The thing that is upsetting to me that about me missing this especially is like... I've looked at the Jersey Devil's Wikipedia, I'm sure, unless I'm such a Jersey Devil snob that it's never occurred to me to go to the basic. That's the only thing I can think of. But I can't imagine also just as as like someone who teaches research or has taught research. One of the things I always say is that like we turn our nose up at Wikipedia, but it's actually a great jumping off point. And I will often suggest to students... Yeah, To start with Wikipedia and then follow those sources and follow those sources. And it's a great place
0: to start. As long as you do it with your eyes wide open and well, know what a good source is, 100%. Source is you can be a starting place. Yeah,
1: you, it can't be where you end up, but you can certainly start there. So it seems unbelievable to me that I would have never visited the Jersey Devil Wikipedia page. And if I had, I would have seen in the like cultural relevance section of the Jersey Devil Wikipedia page... This section, which says, moreover, the Jersey Devil's fanciful or mythical nature is explored in the numerous works of fantasy it makes an appearance in, including X-Files. Yes, I know. The Mm -hmm. video game called Jersey Devil. Yes, I know. Wolf Among Us. Yes, I know. Thirteenth Child. Yes, I know. I um, alluded to that last week. Uh, uh, He's a character in the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. He is in an episode of The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. Uh, There's a movie called The Barons. There's a list. And... I have proof, Jody. I have recorded an entire episode of the Jersey podcast breaking down all of these appearances yes. and somehow what we do in the shadows, Supernatural, all of these, um, somehow the Bruce Springsteen song, so many, <laughs> there's so much, Legend Quest, so much, somehow listed in here is a movie that I have somehow, d- that I somehow did not know is a Jersey Devil movie. And it's called. You brought it up, so would the last you like
0: broadcast? To, yeah, but
1: I have to do some research because there's another movie I'm thinking of that has a similar title. That mm-hmm. when you said, "Oh, do you know about the last broadcast?" I was like, "Yeah, obviously, found footage movie. Something about like people exploring an abandoned um, hospital or something." No, whatever I'm mm-hmm. thinking of is a different movie. Mm-hmm. This is a Jersey Devil movie. It's a Jersey Devil movie. It's Jersey Devil found footage. Yeah, released a year before
0: blair witch how um, jody how
1: how much closer can i get how?
0: <laughs> how i feel like i broke you with when i told you, you this did how didn't i know this was a jersey devil movie what the I hell i don't know so the, for those that also like andrea and myself somehow missed this information the last broadcast is a 1998 american horror film written directed and produced by Stephen avalos and Lan- lance we- weiler wheeler who also star in the film stop me if this sounds familiar Told in a pseudo-documentary format and employing the found footage technique, the fictional film appears to tell the story of a man convicted in 1995 of murdering his team of people one night during an expedition to find the mythical Jersey Devil of the New Jersey Pine Barrens. Um, Also, the film is credited as the first feature-length film shot and edited entirely on consumer-level digital equipment. This is so...
1: They can't hear me blinking, but I am (laughs) furiously blinking.
0: And it's so connected to Blair Witch to the point where, like, there was an allegation that, like, Blair Witch ripped off the last broadcast, but, you know, in reality, the Blair Witch Project as a film was begun years before it just came out, you know, it's like the story, This it, it was a groupthink kind of thing, like well, it was uh, in, the, in the air.
1: This goes back to actually a few different things we were saying kind of all coming together, but the first thing it goes back to is what I was saying about believing that Blair Witch Project didn't that the filmmaker hadn't seen countable holocaust right because if you're gonna make and the the like with the increasing popularity of reality television and um and all of all of the things we've talked about i'd have to go back to the beginning of this episode and recap everything all of the things that made blair witch project work the way it did so well when it did it's it's because the atmosphere and the culture was like in like creating a space for a movie like that so it makes sense that more than one would pop up at this time there's
0: also something out there in the air about the approach of the millennium and right. the failure of technology totally that loops into all of this totally. right? totally like ay y2k and yeah all so that i just coming.
1: i you know i would love to be able to say oh look it's another example of people wanting to steal from jersey and not admit it you know what i mean like but i just think it it is very possible that because, again, I don't know how you make a found footage movie without a camera crew. And it seems like and this is way more specific than Cannibal Holocaust, I think, because it's yeah. like a similar area. It's an urban legend. It's all of that. Right. So I get right. I could see I'm more likely to believe the accusation here, but I just am not so ready to believe it 100 percent, especially because it does sound like Blair Witch 1993.
0: Um. Right. Well, it came and out it in '99,
1: but I think that like but, uh, yeah. it was began. They began to develop it in '93.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they um, were casting. I think by '96 or '97, and so, like it's it wasn't this movie didn't exist yet when they yeah. were working on it, and the story is something they developed when they were in college. So, and it's so I yeah. think it's I'm, I'm it's okay. a non it's a non thing, but yeah. the fact that this movie exists and we did not realize that it was about the Jersey Devil is embarrassing humiliating I just, horrifying I just, I just think i've slipped into a
1: different timeline that i come yeah. from a timeline where I this know. movie didn't
0: exist i know
1: and some it, it is truly unbelievable that i didn't know that yeah. this was a jersey devil movie
0: according to our um source of all sources wikipedia it says that the film was made on a budget of 900 <laughs> dollars and, right, and edited on a desktop computer using adobe premiere 4.2 love that $600 was allocated for production, while 240 were utilized for digital video stock, which is not a thing. I guess they mean, like, memory cards? And 20 hours – oh, they were doing digital to tape. Uh, okay. Yeah. It was um, premiered regionally at the County Theater in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, yeah. released uh, through an independent distribution company. Um, just, like,
1: And you wild. said, off mic, these – when we were talking about this a little bit. These are Philly
0: people. It seems like they're Philly people. At least one of them, for sure, is a Philly person.
1: Which I don't, you know. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine, I guess. We'll see. Um, Yeah. uh, We're not... uh, Listeners, this isn't the movie we're going to do next week, because we know we've done a lot of horror, and this is another found footage. Jody and I are going to watch this movie, and we're likely going to talk about it over at New Jersey is the World. And if and when we Mm -hmm. do, we'll let you know. So if you do want to watch this and and talk with us about it that's where that will be happening and we'll let you know when uh you can stream this for free on tubi tubi.com i'll post a link in our show notes anyway um and my guess is if you like Blair Witch Project for what it is, you'll probably like this movie too. It seems yeah. to have been pretty
0: well received. It's got it's pretty like good a reviews. It's like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is not great. But yeah, there were people that really liked it. And then there were people that were like, this is shit. So we'll see. Yeah. It definitely doesn't get as good reviews as Blair Witch, but it also, Blair Witch was a phenomenon. So mm-hmm. that's really an unfair comparison. Right. Um,
1: but of course, it's the only, as far as I know, huh? I think it's the only piece of Jersey Devil
0: media that I have never um, encountered before. So, of course, I have to watch it. It also has an incredible website. Yes. Like, apparently, they were also trying to do this, like, viral, like, you know, internet-based campaign where they created a website for it and all this stuff. And it's still on the internet, and you can still see the original website from 97 to 99, and it's – so late 90s it's incredible it's amazing yeah i'm excited to watch it just to see it i i also i'm gonna keep saying this i don't like horror movies i do a yellow jackets podcast that is now done like a whole bunch of horror movies but i don't generally like horror movies but it's about the jersey devil so therefore i have to watch it
1: yeah it's this isn't a horror movie this is a you know, a biopic about one of my biological children and yes, as my devil.
0: friend, you should you know. <laughs> Want to know your family history? Exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: and yeah. so that's that's for another, another day, another podcast. All of that to say we just spent a lot of time talking about a movie we're not going to cover. We should talk about the movie we are going to cover. Um, you and I have gone back and forth a little bit about what direction. We've kind of been doing these little mini-series. Mm-hmm. Right? We had our Um, Alan Moyle
0: like three weeks yeah
1: we did those couple of Jersey filmmaker series Mm -hmm. filmmaker Jersey movies we did our little Halloween run Um, but the big one was like our kind of like young yeah well how would you
0: describe that first batch like 90s teen sort of like yeah John Hughes-esque even if it wasn't John Hughes yeah through
1: that John Hughes-esque uh, collection that's when we developed our film what would you call that spectrum dichotomy whatever
0: yeah i would say our, it's our theory of the podcast it's our our uh you know the two poles of of jody and andrea as film watchers are you the know. molly ringwald and the john candy of it all yes yes you, of we're... course you being the john
1: candy and me being the molly ringwald i don't think we need to clarify <laughs> <laughs> if you've listened for more than 30 seconds i think you know um and i think for fun because we did just watch a bunch of scary well you vaguely scary stuff you know um yeah dark things we're gonna go back to our roots well not our roots because our roots is yellow jackets and that is dark but our other roots
0: like the <laughs> our... newly formed roots that haven't gone down to all the way the, oh that's not how roots work never mind <laughs> the old the new ones are the ones down in the bottom because i understand nature Mm -hmm. yeah that didn't work at all we are going but we're not science teachers so no we're going back to a few months ago yeah yeah
1: and um we're gonna watch I, i think just here's how i picked my movie this is a movie i have loved for a very long time it brings me so much joy. And, it's and we one... need joy after the yes. last month of movies. Yes. Exactly. I requested, I specifically <laughs> requested joy. You did. And I am picking probably the silliest movie I have picked so far. And I know that
0: that's saying something. I'm ready for silly. I'm so I mean, happy. I picked some silly ones. I picked Girls Just Want to Have Fun. That is a silly fucking movie. That is a silly fucking movie. Yeah.
1: Um, I have picked a... Um, Nora Ephron written Herbert Ross directed movie from year from 1990. Mm -hmm. Um, Once again, me picking movies that I was four when this movie came out. I didn't see it in the theater, (laughs) but it's a movie that has been part of my history for so long that I don't remember not knowing this movie. It stars two of my favorites, Steve Martin and Moranis. I think John Candy you... was also a big fan of those two. Oh, my God.
0: See, uh... listeners, what you missed is the conversation where I told Andrea that she's basically got the same movie taste as my father. My, my deceased father, who is now speaking to me through Andrea and this podcast. And is, has impeccable
1: taste, obviously. <laughs> yes. Because yes. You and my it's...
0: dad would have really gotten along, actually. <laughs> you guys would have loved each other well rest in peace (laughs) mr jody's father oh my god yeah so what Um, are are we watching what
1: is it we're watching my blue heaven and i am smiling so hard my cheeks hurt right now this movie is so stupid i love it so much i have not even looked at where you can watch
0: it my dad loves steve martin
1: al i love steve martin i just rick moranis steve martin john candy like put them on mount rushmore for me yeah um
0: you can rent it for 2.99 on youtube it is worth, it's a steal at any price. I think that's, that's the most uh, easy, easiest option. It's also, yeah. And you can rent it anywhere for about three bucks. So. Perfect. Yeah.
1: I'm going to tell the listeners the same thing I told you, which is all you need to know about this movie is that Steve Barton plays a character named Vinny Antonelli, and he has the accent to match. And Rick Moranis plays a character named Barney Cooper Smith. <laughs> And he also has the voice to match, but it's just because it's Rick Moranis' voice. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And Vinny Antonelli is um, in witness protection because of some mafia little bit of hiding stuff. out
0: vibes. Uh,
1: yeah, this movie is a lot. It's not a lot like hiding out, but a little bit of hiding out vibes yeah. there. Um, and Rick Moranis plays the FBI agent who is assigned to keep watch over him. Uh, Joan Cusack is also in it. Carol Kane is in it. It's Daniel Stern is in it. It's just one of my favorites. I think it's, it's going to be my... fun. I, it is going to be yeah, fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just need a little bit of levity. Um, and also just to like kind of let people into our conversation that they will not hear. We are in December going to kind of do another themed month because there's one movie that Andrea and I have both decided we have to talk about. We're not going to tell you what that, that is, is right now, but...
1: No, but it is our holiday gift to ourselves yeah. and to you. And
0: to you, if you if if you haven't seen this movie, we are going to be doing you the world's biggest service by uh, mm.
1: making you watch it. And if you have seen this movie, it's one you'll probably be watching anyway, so you might as well hang out and with us and talk about movie, it. If you've seen this movie,
0: it's a movie that is very special to you, and you'll be excited to hear us talk about. So, yes. But next week we will be watching My Blue Heaven.
1: The trailer is playing right now, and it is you're glowing. <laughs>
0: I really am. I love it.
1: It. You're glowing. It's. I, I'm already prepared, though, because if you haven't seen this movie, watch it. It's delightful. It's fun. It's very silly, though. I will be interested to see what it's like for someone watching it.
0: It's going to be like hanging out with my dad. I'm up for it. Get ready. Get ready, everybody. I can't wait. <laughs> if I accidentally call you Ed, just roll with it. <laughs> you got it. Okay. Um, where can they find us? They can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Watchers Pod Nj. They can also find me on Instagram at Jodi Mim, uh J-O-D-I-E underscore M I M. That's my art account.
1: I'm at AQ Andrea Q. It's my pictures of cats and dogs account.
0: <laughs> and uh yeah, listen to other podcasts that we are occasionally involved in. Uh New Jersey's the worlds, um and uh Andrea works on Beautiful Anonymous, among other things. Oh yeah. So yeah check them out the one
1: coming out today was really really fun and lovely if you haven't um listened to beautiful anonymous i would say this week would be a really lovely and representative week Mm, um, nice to check
0: it out yeah big fan a
1: a fun call with a really thoughtful nice person yeah
0: we're out of here uh Uh, (laughs) we'll see you next week in the burbs not in the woods in the burbs yes (gasps) have you ever seen the burbs